This project was made possible with support from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Visit calhume.org. From KVPR in Fresno. What comes to mind if you think of the San Joaquin Valley? Heat, farmland, farm workers, fruit, trucks, pollution, poverty, injustice? There are a million answers to this question, depending on who you are, where you live, where you come from, the stories you've heard, the stories you tell yourself. For me, producing this podcast has only confirmed my experience of the richness of this place and its people, like Ray Leon, the mayor of Huron, who told us about green projects, including a ride-sharing program using electric vehicles to make life better for the thousands of farm workers who live in his town. I'm a descendant of Michoacanos. My father arrived as an orphan in 1951 at 14 years old, undocumented, farm worker, and hungry. And I'll never forget his description of his first day on the UC Berkeley campus when he joined a group of new students getting to know each other. Ray was the first in his family to go to college. Started walking and started talking to an Asian American brother. He asked me, hey, are you Russian? I said, no, I'm Mexican. He said, no, are you Russian? Said, no, my parents are from Mexico, I'm Mexican. No, are you Russian of fraternity? What the hell is that? And there's 87-year-old Sammy Thurman Brackenberry. She's part Choctaw, part Latina, whom I met at the Chowchilla Western Stampede. She told us about her roping days as a cowboy girl. See, I roped with my dad. We competed in the Rodeo Cowboys Association rodeos. And at the time, women couldn't join as a contestant. And 10-year-old Jordan Zavala, who works out at the same public boxing gym in Avenal, where Olympic lightweight Jose Ramirez rose to fame. The first time I did it, I didn't, I didn't really know. And I would hit it once, and the, the second time I would hit it, I would miss. So I just practiced and practiced, and I, and I got the rhythm that I was liking. And Olga Jimenez, who told us what it was like to work in the fields as a kid back in the 50s and 60s. We had no option. It was starve or live, and we chose to live. When she came to California, she was almost 10 years old. It was the first time she'd ever been to school. I made it my goal to graduate from eighth grade. I made it my goal to graduate from high school. These are the stories of the San Joaquin Valley, of the people who live in the small rural towns here. I'm Alice Daniel, and this is... El Otro California. I live... California, El Otro. California, Chia. El Otro California. Catiraco, Sacapilano, California. I live... I live... I live in Otro California. Part of me doesn't want this podcast to end. Producing it has been a joy and a huge stress, a steep learning curve, a leap into the unknown, and an opportunity to work with a news team I love. And truthfully, it's also been a diversion from the constant breaking news that has exhausted so many of us over the past few years, to the point that it sometimes feels as if we're wading through molasses. You know the feeling, no doubt. 
To think that more than a million people in the United States have died of COVID-19 is unfathomable, heart-wrenching, impossible to digest. That and all the other giant fractures in the bones of our country, racism, misinformation, ignorance, hatred, mass shootings, it can feel hopeless. But then there's the beauty, the stories that remind us of our humanity. It's why for this last episode, I come back to Woodlake, the place where we started a few months ago, where story comes in the form of an ever-evolving 13-acre botanical garden built by Manuel and Olga Jimenez. I hadn't been back to the garden since I reported on it during the worst of the pandemic, when the couple lit candles each week for every single person who had died from COVID in Tulare County. At one point, they had more than 800 luminaries set along a winding path, bits of light in the heavy darkness of sorrow. But today, when I walk in, the garden is open and full of life, the Sierra Nevada hovering in the distance. Pink and magenta hollyhocks have popped up everywhere. Hundreds of rose bushes are in bloom. I find Manuel standing under the shady umbrella of a very large tree, a Pakistani mulberry. A frequent visitor, Bronca Chosich, is picking some of the berries and popping them in her mouth. This is a special long type of fruit, a couple of inches long, uh, and it's sweet as... I don't know, honey. (laughs) It's beautiful. She tells me her story. She moved to Tulare County in 1992 to escape the Bosnian War. She visits the garden as often as she can, she says. The tree reminds her of home. In our country, people would, or kids, would just like climb on trees and uh, because there is in cities a lot of fruit trees planted and kids would just like climb and pick whatever there is, you know, berries or um, fruit trees like that, or even like linden tree for teas. Everything was available to everyone. And that was in Serbia. Bronca reaches out for one of the branches. I'll pick one for you. I'm just going to pull branches down. but And hands me a mulberry. I take a bite. It's delicious. You don't have to wash it. <laughs> so good. Mm. I love it. We're not the only animals who love the fruit, Manuel says. He shows me another tree nearby. There are three Oriole nests. And, you know, you seldom see one, but they look like little socks, little brown socks, just right up above it. And the grackles are in this tree, too, in much larger nests. The birds build them just in time to feed their babies ripe mulberries. But yeah, this is a popular tea in the garden. Lots of birds feed on it. Manuel and I walk over to the western edge of the rose garden to find his wife, Olga. In our Wood Lake episode, a young man, Rogelio Chavez, interviewed Olga. They're more than 50 years apart in age, but both know something about farm labor. Olga told Rogelio stories about what it was like to work in the fields as a kid, starting at age six. Those stories from her past still inform how she processes events today. We sit down on a bench and our conversation turns to the war in Ukraine. 
She worries so much about the children there because she understands what it's like to be afraid. Because I remember as a child, when my father was uh, running away from the border patrol and running away and trying to hide us. And as a child, you live in fear and you don't have no security. You don't know what that's about. You just know fear. I ask her what she turns to for comfort during tough times. In these hard times, I find myself navigating towards the garden. The garden gives me so much peace, so much um, tranquility that you tend to forget the outside world. She says she pays a lot of attention to the behavior of animals and insects. A bunch of bees on a flower, and you're wondering, now why are they all together? Why, you know, they're working together. I seem to like all that, that creatures show us how things should be done. The garden and the wildlife are in perfect balance these days, Manuel says. It gives him time to think about his next project, one that will provide more context to the history of agriculture in the valley and the role small farmers and farm workers play. And over the years, there's been hundreds of thousands of farm workers in California and, and, and in this region and in this town that have been responsible for the success of agriculture. He wants to add signs along the garden paths that tell the stories of the people who have worked this land. When we learn the stories of each other, he knows, we can better understand. Like Olga, Manuel also grew up working in the fields, migrating with his nine siblings and his parents up and down California, following the harvest. He says most of the Hispanic kids in school would leave in May and be gone for four or even five months. But when you went to school, you know, the first thing the teacher would ask you when you're a little kid is, that, what did you do for summer vacation? And the easy answer was, camping. we went camping. But they didn't know. We went, didn't want to tell. It was embarrassing, kind of. We didn't want to tell them that we actually were staying in boxes, houses made out of boxes, and we were staying in tents, and that we were picking fruit, you know, this whole time. Families would run into each other during the summer, and then later, the kids would recognize each other at school. It was always clear who the farm workers were, Manuel says. Just seeing the kids coming back, we knew who we were. And you didn't have to say anything. He says students lived in two different worlds, the farm worker families and the white families. That was until the late 50s, early 60s, the tail end of the Dust Bowl migration when white field workers from Texas and other states came to Woodlake. And some of the kids, we, they came to school with no shoes. And we were amazed at this. You gotta be kidding, why, why would they come to school with no shoes. And I remember the school right away, the nurses and whoever it was, they took care of that and they bought, got them shoes and pretty soon they had glasses and stuff like that. But, you know, I, but I, we sort of figured out, you know, man, those guys, are, those guys are poor. Once he learned their story, he could relate to them. And the funny thing is, now, when Manuel shares his story with people he grew up with, people who weren't farm workers, they always say the same thing. Wow. You know, we didn't know this. This is, this is amazing. And I understand, and I, I perfectly understand. It's because we did live in another world. 
I love that line, we didn't know. It rings true, and that's why story matters. It allows us to know. And this place, the San Joaquin Valley, that historian Gerald Haslam called the other California, when you hear the stories of people here, it isn't the other anymore. And that's The Other California. Thank you so much for joining me on this journey. This episode was produced by me, Alice Daniel. Mixing and sound design by Rob Spate. With editorial help from Polly Stryker. Web support from Alex Burke. Technical support from Don Weaver. Joe Moore is our president and general manager. A million thanks to the KVPR news team. Madi Bolaños, Sarith Hawk, Carrie Klein, and Kathleen Schock. And to musician Omar Nure. You've been listening to The Other California. <laughs>